someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 The Hobbit more than River Dance. And I think lots of boys on an island killing a fat boy is not so enjoyable as Gandalf with a long white beard. Okay, if you've just joined us, we're talking about who is the best lord? Lord of the Rings, of the Dance, or of the Flies? That's tonight's Hot Topic. Hot Topic. Okay, the votes are closed, and clearly the rings and the flies have been roundly trounced by the quick feet of blouse-wearing tycoon Michael Flatley. <laughs> Flatley, my dear, I don't river dance. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Best of the Best podcast with myself, Connor Keyes. Uh, alongside me, as always, is uh, Mr. Ronan Mullen. Very sad today. Oh, no? Very sad. Slayer played their last show last night in Los Angeles. Oh, God damn it. I was sitting this morning, I was listening to Mandatory Suicide and South of Heaven and Raining Blood, and I was just, you know, but sad. Just in the zone? Oh, they're meant to make you sad. Okay. You wonder, you'd, well, Mandatory Suicide, I don't know. I was always pretty amped by that song, to be fair. But, okay. I, no, no, sorry, I don't mean the hop track. It's just, it's very emotional, eh, you know. You're, you're struggling. But we'll, we'll get, get on to the comedy. We'll get through it. <laughs> Let's start again. Okay, hello and welcome to Best of Best Podcast. <laughs> yes, today's topic is uh, the uh, one and two seasons of I'm Alan Partridge. Yeah. Uh, the we're not deliberately picking shows. Although we didn't with fucking Seinfeld, but we're not picking shows that are short. No. Deliberately. But it helps. It, yeah, it does help, um, but it also seems to be the, the, the theme, especially among the British ones, in a way. Mm. Two seasons, 12 episodes. Uh, it is a, <laughs> a quite a divisive character, Alan Partridge. I didn't really know this. Yeah, a lot of people uh, don't get him mm. and find him really annoying. But that is the point. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it. supposed to be and really annoying. Yeah. You uh, sort of love that he's so annoying. He's so bad. Uh, it's it's uh, it's one of the most um, cringeworthy TV that you watch. Um, yeah, you need to like be behind a cushion, mm. just going, "Oh my god!" Yeah, more uh, so than anything else we've covered. Yeah, absolutely. The most cringiest. Characters, yeah. yeah, Steve Coogan um, doing his uh, utmost to be the. Failed D, uh, radio DJ or failed TV presenter, um, Alan Partridge, who the backstory is he had one season as a chat show host. Yes. Which failed miserably. <laughs> it, it, yeah. He, well, it was also, as is stated in the first episode of this season, that it's per, it was per TV and he did kill someone. <laughs> yeah. He shot somebody live <laughs> on TV in the chat so, show. So... Season one and two of I'm Alan Partridge takes you just, uh, the start of season one takes you to not long after the, the debacle of his chat show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Perel Allen has been put out of the house by the wife. Yes. And is now living in a travel tavern, <laughs> uh, a shitty hotel. In Linton. 
in Linton. And uh, he has been uh, a long-term resident. He's been there. Uh, we, we joined it, as we see him maybe in uh, about 60 days in yeah. of living there. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the character, like we say. It's a very divisive character, but when you realize the, the level of genius that comes into this i mean the 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 layers is played <laughs> on it so coogan along with uh our old buddy armando yeah we mentioned in the veep episode that Ianucci created this character but i didn't realize he'd actually just created him alongside coogan coogan um when they were in doing their sort of sketch comedy stuff or mm-hmm. their comedy troupe sort of events they both came up with this character and this character was then brought onto the day-to-day pretty much the exact same character you see in this season because in the day-to-day he's notoriously a sports reporter who knows nothing about sport no it's not yes right yeah <laughs> and doesn't really know like anything about any sport yeah it's it's almost criminal how little he knows about what he's doing but he just about knows how to present and that's it yeah yeah he's got that sort of yeah. and this is what a, the, the character is so great is that it, it shines that spotlight on the tv presenter that is kind of getting lost in the modern world. Yeah. It's like the, the, the old era. That Partridge would say, really? <laughs> About something <laughs> that he clearly should have known in researching topics for interviews. Uh, we find him then in the in the travel tavern. And uh, so our, our, it's written um, mainly the first season, six episodes. He he resides in the in the hotel for the, for the full six months. Yeah. Uh, the So it's Armando Iannucci... Steve Coogan and Peter Bainham, I think, were the yeah. three writers. Peter Bainham's a long-time collaborator of all of them. Like, he did a lot of radio work as well. Yeah, and then you have the directed by Dominic Bridgestock. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, I'm nearly sure that's... You know, she did a few as well. Did he direct a few? Yeah, okay, he yeah, directed yeah. a few as well. Uh, in the Travel Tavern, then, you've got uh, Coogan <laughs> lives there. But, I mean, how do you describe him? Um, you know that sort of boy? Know that boy you knew at school who... Wasn't not saying popular. It's not a popular article, but he wasn't. He didn't want to be popular. But every time you talked to him, he would say things like, "I want to." <laughs> You're like, "I know you don't." Um, yeah. and he also was so socially awkward. Even though people were trying to be friendly, um, he would bring it to the nth degree where it would get real fucking awkward. Yeah, he always reminds me of because he he he, he he's so middle class and. He's very classist in the way he looks at people. He looks down at people who would be uh, working in the hotel, for instance, or stuff. Mm-hmm. But he would sort of remind you of when Billy Connolly used to talk about the, the V-neck polo jumper Volvo yes. drivers. Yes. Except Alan drives a Lexus. Alan drives a Lexus. But the, also, them V-neck uh, drivers, they, they, were, they were guys who were like going out for the, the Saturday afternoon pints for ruggers. Of course. Alan wouldn't be able to do that. No. Because he wouldn't be invited. Yeah, uh, he wouldn't be able to keep a conversation, and as we can see from his drinking, he goes off the rails unexpectedly really early on. <laughs> so it would have been it would have been fun to yeah. watch, but it would have been a fucking disaster. The uh, it's it's a big part in the second season where he talks about his Lexus, um, but the uh, <laughs> in season one he is driving the the Rover eight hundred. Yeah. Um, God rest per Rover. Yeah. Long since dead. Um, what are you talking? Twenty years ago, eighteen years ago, but he's got cockpit partridge, <laughs> cockpit partridge, and graffiti, <laughs> graffiti on the side of, the side of his 
that he then gets uh, one of the staff members, uh, Michael, who will come on to, to cover over. Where no, we think he's going to clean it up. He doesn't mention it. And then when we get back, he's actually just put in extra letters to make it different words. So it's <laughs> cook past Babdridge or something. Cook past Babdridge, yeah. Uh, we'll take, listen, this is, so uh, Alan is, um, like we say, he's a, a failed TV presenter. He, he, he's on the verge of trying to find out if he's going to get a second season. That's his, that's his mo. That's that's all he's, he's got a production about. company. He wants to keep it going, and but the only reason the company can stay um, is if he gets the second season. But things aren't looking good. He's um, funding all this by his work in Radio Norge as a radio <laughs> Norfolk host, Nights or Norfolk, and, and and a really late time slot. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'll try and see if we can we can play a clip here. I think maybe. This is when he has to make a decision. Now, Alan, you're going to have to trade down your River 800 for a smaller car. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I picked up these brochures for the new Metro. It's, it's a lovely car. Len, and if you I, do... Len, I'm not driving a Mini Metro. But you do have to make substantial savings. Len, I'm not driving a Mini Metro. But if you do, you can keep Pear Tree Productions going with a skeleton staff of two. There's no just... point finishing the sentence, then, because I'm not driving a Mini Metro. But if it... Len, I'll just speak over you. But I... <laughs> <laughs> Go on, try and finish the sentence and see what I do. <laughs> Go on. With a I'm not driving a mini metro. I'm not driving a mini No, 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 it's different. It's called a Rover Metro now. They've rebadged it, you fool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've never understood that. But that that's a massively British thing about, you know, the, the status of your car and... Yeah, moving down the car, yeah, he would not That's do it. So, but the, the, I think earlier on, you get in how selfish the man is. Yeah. He would rather... Oh, there's, a, there's an he ego. Would rather, oh, the ego is mental. He would rather have staff lose their job than have them having to downgrade a car. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you do you do hear at a stage that Lynn gets paid. Lynn's basically... If Lynn disappears, Alan doesn't know how to do yeah, anything. Lynn does everything. If, uh, and Lynn gets paid £8,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> He's happy to with wait that. on him hand and foot hand every and foot. single day. And uh, well, we'll get on to Lynn. Uh, played by I Felicity Montague. I was just going to test you to see what the Montague. Is. No, it's Montague. 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 It's not Montague. Montague. Yeah, it's Montague. And uh, so, kind of like Steve Coogan, she's young playing older. Yes. And just like Coogan. Plays it absolutely perfect. Ah, she's as understated as you can get. But you, you would, you actually find it very hard to believe that she is as young as she is mm-hmm. because she plays the character so old. Yeah. Um, and I mean, she is a long-suffering partner. Uh, his abuse of her is fucking <laughs> unbelievable. <Yeah. laughs> and uh, it's it's just again this uh, the the ego. He's so narcissistic everything revolves around him that he again looks down on Lynn and, and so you always feel sorry for poor Lynn yeah but again she the faces the wee the winced up faces she does and stuff yeah like because Lynn's kind of like a saved Christian and she's very wholesome and well, she's, she's so lovely a Baptist she, they right, find yeah. out that she's actually a very popular lady that's right very likeable and you find out that a lot of the times that Alan invites people to their room and stuff they they always want to go because they can talk and interact with Lynn because Alan's such a horrible shit. <laughs> and uh, so 
the thing about Partridge as a character, he's so awkward, mm-hmm. socially awkward, um, that his own self-involvement then mixed along with the social awkwardness just creates comedy gold. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the first season we see uh, he's really trying his best to get the second season. Mm-hmm. So he has to uh, he has to try and woo over the, the head of BBC commissioning, which is Mr. Tony Hares. Yeah. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's probably the... the, the Gets into the, the psychology of Partridge whenever you see he's going to meet Mr. Hares and uh, it does flashbacks or images of... He, he's having he's having these visions <coughs> from, his, from his bedroom. When he falls asleep in his bedroom, you can see him having these visions mm-hmm. and they, they, they continue to when he meets him, he's having them... When things are going wrong, he's envisioning, do I have to go that route? And that route is him as a stripper <laughs> with a leather leather pants on. His normal standard sweater, jumper, yeah, jumper on, of course. and uh, just wearing normal shoes and socks, but with his <laughs> bare legs out. And the implication is that he has to whore himself out yeah, to, to, get the be- to get this. So they're just wee flash, wee image, just, just yeah, the time wee slips. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's always put in so well, mm-hmm. and it, it just adds to every scene. Um, but he finally does go to meet Tony Hares, and uh, mm. again, this is just—I always sort of see him as a, a an adult child. You know, emotionally, he doesn't know how to deal with things. He doesn't no, know how to handle not things. at all. There's no resilience, and not well. Absolutely not. Um, so this is him meeting uh, Tony Hares, uh, asking for the second season, and his reaction. Is, yeah. yeah. Got some cheese? No, thank you. So he's nice. just been turned down. Mm, smells. Do you, to, do you want to smell it? No, smell the cheese. No, I don't want to smell it. Smell my cheese. Alan, please. Wanna... Smell my cheese, you oh. mother! No, I, I think that's quite enough, thank you. I've got cheese! This is cheese! <laughs> That's him running out of the restaurant. He's running out of the restaurant carrying a big fucking wall big of cheese. slab of cheese and a fork. Like it's so random and it's so, but it's just he didn't. It was just the things that beside him. So like a child, he didn't know what to do and how to react. So it was fantastic to play that out. Uh, you then you've got you've got Tony Hares, obviously he 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 gets turned down for the second season. Yeah, he doesn't have the balls or the courage to tell the staff that they're no longer employed. So he just starts firing them for no reason. Uh, but you then you find him then back at the hotel. Um, spend a bit more time obviously at the hotel than he has at the production company. Well, he gets sort of locked into the hotel for one episode, doesn't he? Because he's they're doing work at the hotel and all their guests leave, and he's there. He's, he's there, still, yeah. So he's a long term resident. He's, he's, he, he carries the twelve inch plate with him um, for the all you all you can eat buffet because they only <laughs> they, give they you only get eight inch eight inch <laughs> plate for the all you can eat buffets. He carries a plate that's bigger to get more food. Uh, so we talk about the characters. Mm-hmm. Characters of the employees uh, of the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Susan, who is the sort of manager um, behind the desk. You then have uh, Sophie and Ben, who are the two sort of young couple who work there. Yeah. Sophie um, in another Ianucci show. Yeah, um, yeah. She's, so Sophie she's... is played by Sally Phillips and played fucking brilliantly. Yeah. Too. Like, considering how good an actress she is, how she just sort of de-evolved to just this laughing sort of teenage yeah. girl 
first job sort of job because a lot of times Sophie's us yeah you know the character of Sophie is also I mean we're sitting there and you, you you're like how are you not laughing this uh, fucking she, buffoon she turns up nine out of ten at the <laughs> worst moment <laughs> she usually turns up when he's about he's just saying yeah the worst the most out of context thing. line ever yeah. uh and then she has to just and and again as as the, the episodes go on the more that happens the timing of it is just absolutely perfect um the the prank calls <laughs> the list of <laughs> the list of names um including Bellotti. Bellotti. yeah <laughs> I would actually think they probably have a, a clip of um, him calling out the names of the prank calls. Uh, let me see if I can, if we can find this. Probably not. Uh, here we go. So here's uh, here's the the list of prank calls uh, that Sophie has to let him know about. <laughs> oh, um, there was a call for you. A Mr. Nesshead rang. Right, never heard of him. Did he leave a first name? Uh, no, it was just a Mr. P. Nesshead. Sophie, that, that, that's a crank call. It's another crank call. Sir? Read it back to yourself. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I can, I can see what he's, what he's done now. Right. Shall I put it on the list with all the others? If you would. Mm. Actually, can I have a look at that list? I want to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> Mr. G String, Mr. <laughs> Nick Hare's wife, wife front. Yeah. Mr. T Osser, it doesn't even work. <laughs> Mr. B Oddy, this is Bill Oddy. call. Why did you put it down there? Well, we thought it looked like body. What's rude about a body? Tits. <laughs> <laughs> yes, per Alan. Uh, <laughs> the crank calls. And uh, so, the, as Connor was saying, Susan sort of runs the front of the house, and she's the manager. So every time he comes in, he has to have an a, an, an an interaction with Susan for no reason. Nine out of ten, he's just walking up to tell her about his day yeah. and <laughs> annoying her. And, and she's been as professional. as She's possible. trying her absolute yeah. best. It's first thing in the morning. He's just a night shift and a radio station. So he's coming in early in the morning. These people have probably just started work, and they have to interact with Alan in a way that they're completely professional, as good as they always are. Um, and when he's full flow saying something completely inappropriate, <laughs> Sophie would walk in, hear just the butt of the joke, and then just start laughing at him and have to like take I a have break. Have to go again, yeah, walk away, yeah. Uh, and, and then that's your that's the hotel staff, so to speak, that are front of house. But yeah. and Ben then is a young fella, so he seems to be the one that is going to get off with Sophie and does get off with Sophie. But yeah. you, you, it's again, it's, they're they're in the background, but he's. Uh, the couple of interactions that he does have with Partridge again are brilliant. <laughs> when he gets the the new speaker system, the Bang and Olufsen speaker <laughs> system, and uh, he gets to talk about all the <laughs> all what music he into, and he said, uh, "Well, obviously the greatest rock band ever was like Wings." Yeah. <laughs> Young guy was like, "Who's Wings?" Like, oh, only the band the Beatles could have been. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally Partridge when you know that only Partridge would prefer Wings to the Beatles. <laughs> and he goes, no, I love the Beatles, I love the Beatles. He goes, yeah, what's your favourite album? He goes, ah, probably the best of the Beatles. He goes back to the hotel. He's trying to be cool and he just does not fit in at all. He's listening to Jet while dancing on the bed. <laughs> uh, you've, you've got then, um, as well as that, you've got... I think my favourite character uh, of it all, who is another employee, yep. another staff member, which is Michael, Michael. the Geordie. 
And uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how to describe Michael. He's just... Uh, just a, a a normal guy, just a normal Geordie who just put yeah. partridge because of the Geordie accent. Sort of, again, has another way of belittling him um, by just pretending he doesn't understand what he says or making him repeat things and, and all the time. Yeah, and it's actually, uh, you know, as the show goes on, you realize, mm, you know what, you're just as bad as Michael, if not Michael's yeah. maybe fucking better than you are. Yeah, uh, but, but he, he always understands him the minute that Michael starts talking about an army story. <laughs> yeah. So Michael was in the army, yeah, and uh, of course, Partridge being such the dick that he is, he thinks that he could actually be uh, in the SAS um, because he's read a lot of Andy McNabb books. (laughs) (laughs) So every time Michael gives him any sort of advice, (coughs) he is hooked on it. Um, I mean, the the character of Michael is is brilliant because he is a constant throughout uh, both seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, in season one, he, he works in hotel. Season two, we don't know what happened, but he's in the battle station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's working in the BP garage. But um, we have a clip of um, him and him and Alan sitting up late at night, uh, fantasizing about um, helicopters. Helicopters. <laughs> Fly helicopter. There's no doubt about it, Michael. The world's getting smaller. Ah, that's global warming. <laughs> no, no, that's something different. Oh. I'd just like to fly a helicopter all round Norfolk, yeah. you know, swoop down over a field, scare a donkey so it falls into a river, <laughs> and hover over one of those annoying families that go on holiday on bikes, right. you know, yeah. and shout at them, get out of the area, and watch them panic. <laughs> Me? I'd, I'd, I'd have a, an Apache attack helicopter. Oh, great. Right. I'd get them back to school. At first I'd take out the labs, and then I'd type into the attack computer, Mr. Crag, <laughs> chemistry teacher. <laughs> Blown to bits. Oh, yeah. I know the feeling. Yeah. And then I'd go looking for Tom Donaldson. I'd be hovering, just doing the road from his house, eh? <laughs> and he'd see it, but I'd duck down behind the trees. And he thinks he's safe, right? And he's just about to put the key in his front door. And I come up from behind the hedge. <laughs> Hello, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he panics, right? And he gets in the house. So I get the 30 millimeter cannon and I take out the fish pond. Koi carp in there. Like five rounds each, right? And then I just tilt the helicopter over to one side. And the machine gun bullets is chewing up the drive, right? He comes out. Oh no, not me triumph, stag. I've just had it respread. I cut it right in half, right? And then he goes, ah! He runs up onto the garage roof. I say, right, this is for you, Tom. He goes, no, no. He's begging us, he's begging us, man. No, please don't. <laughs> And then I'd fly off to Cornwall and I'd just smash into the sea in a big ball of flames. <laughs> this is the best bit. Oh. Sleep well, Michael. <laughs> um, who's Tom Donaldson? Oh, he's just a mate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so that's Michael, and um, yeah. So Michael's unhinged. <laughs> Michael's a lot unhinged. He uh, gets like drunk in the last episode. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, the hotel, yeah. Scrumpy Jack. <laughs> the Scrumpy Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing the uh, the the tiger print uh, Asian shirt. Yeah. As he got married in. Um, <laughs> his wife left. Him. For his brother in his Sunderland. Thailand, his wife from Thailand left him because he, he moved. She moved to Newcastle and didn't like the culture. And part goes, "Oh, did she move back to Thailand?" She goes, "No, I moved to Sunderland <laughs> with his brother." Uh, 
in season two, you see, you know, it's, uh, he plays another vital role in it because he then is the um, run or works in the BP garage, like we say, and Partridge is in there most nights mm-hmm. because it's late at night and he's middle of a show or after show. And uh, it's in ha- season it, it, two, he gets a better time slot on the radio. Yeah, and he so also it, has a TV show about war. Skirmish on Skirmish on the digital UK conquest. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so and you're starting to see then different other sort of guest characters because in season one you sort of had a few. You had Simon Pegg had come along. Simon Pegg, yeah, 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 uh, it was in one. Uh, there were TV producers who were trying to do. Uh, uh, the other, the other one video. is is your boy Peter. We call him Peter, the guy that helped write it. Benham. Benham. Hey, he's the other. Oh, I don't know uh, that producer. There you are. Very good. Um, and that was that was Alan's uh, drinking escapade. Yeah. Where lady boy drink. Lady boy drink. <laughs> uh, you've got loads of um, loads of new characters in the second season as well because the second season does improve. Um, I, I know that was the issue at the time. How were they going to improve on the first one? Well, the first. The season was 97, mm-hmm. and then they didn't film and put out the second one until 2002, but they say it's been five years, so literally they're talking about the yeah. timeline is accurate, and this is the length of time it's been, we know. Um, but the sort of, the shift from the original TV show, Knowing Me, Knowing You, which is set up set up as a chat show, there's a audience, there. it's filmed like a chat show, yeah. uh, to this which is a single camera, sort of documentary mm-hmm. vibe. Uh, moving that on in still to you feel like we're just following Alan around. Yeah. I I, I think that worked way better. The chat show's amazing. I love the first chat show's good, but yeah, the second one... It, second it one, it's, have... it, it just clicked better because you get to see him and you get to see him talk about during No Mean No New Everyday Situations and things he liked to do. Yeah. You were like, I don't believe that boy actually does that stuff because he's just... It's not until but you to see, see the see real him, life, yeah. Putting when on the driving gloves like, and all yeah. and all that type of thing, <laughs> where you, you really get on, yeah. the, the the smell of the, the character, and yeah. it sort of works it's so much his better. His preferred petrol pump. His preferred petrol number pump. three, because it's got hand wipes. You know, things like <laughs> that. Like, like, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff that they could delve into, mm-hmm. um, because you do wonder about that about the BBC presenters, and you know, so many fall off the way. Obviously, some make it big and stay on, but the other ones that. that <laughs> that just sort of drift off over the years. What happens and where do they go? They yeah. What do they end up doing? What's yeah. The, uh, I mean, there's a lot of media in England. There's a lot of like like in this radio shows, but there's others that end up doing fucking writing articles for the Guardian and you know all this type of thing. There's a lot of stuff where it happened here too. Happened here. What to you? No, not to me. No, no, no. In in uh, in uh, UTV. Go on, Keith Burnside. Where the fuck's Keith? See. Is well, he not on anymore? Oh, Keith's long gone. I don't fucking watch the They fired him off the radio. Right. Uh, no, them old velvet tones of Keith Burnside. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Do you know what it is? I think they had to get him off the TV. Because of the sex? <clears throat> because the brown bay sex. No, um, because <laughs> of the, the PTSD that was caused every time people heard his voice. Because he was the man that reported all the troubles. I'm <laughs> every he really did. Like, What's I mean, Keith Burnside? <laughs> every so, yeah, he's, he moved from UTV. He's on the Radio All Star now, doing the the news Radio All Star. Well, 
Fair, Fair play. Well. Burns by. No I'd say you get as much money on the radio as you would on the TV if you were a name. Not as much action, but with the ladies. Aye. Because they, then they see, they hear your voice. Now, here we are. We're back to it again, Connor. You hear me and him talking, and you're creaming it. Fairness. You wouldn't when you seen us, though. That's why this is not a video podcast. Correct. There are reasons. I will give we a We have two of cameras here with tripods, but there's no fucking way we're pressing record. We're not fucking... <laughs> and you see the way I looked around there to see them? Like, <laughs> fuck me, is it on? <laughs> but yeah... No, it, it's not on. There's a lot, in, especially in English media, where you find out... Jesus, that's what he's been doing. Aye. And they do yeah. get hidden amongst the They're all different we, departments moving around, yeah. Have you ever, like... How am I going to... You ever looking for the porn channels? Never. Remember that time me and you were looking for... Or sorry, remember that time I am my own and your house was looking a, for... A the, boy had worked one time, time minded. And you end up getting on, like, Sky Health UK living f- two hours plus. Aye. And you see a person go... What? I know. I, Where did that? I, they're doing some mad documentary in the middle I, of Botswana. Um, right behind Al Jazeera TV and right before <laughs> the, the porn. For babe, babe, uh, what do you call it again? Babe, st- no, no, babe I, show. I, I wouldn't know. Granny, Granny plus four. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I don't like the fact that that was like up there with your first choice. Eh? Anyway. Plus. Is it there still? Granny plus four? I would never know. I have a funny story. Of course. My you brother. Know. My brother and his friend. I'm going to name him. Jump guy. Two boys that came back from after the Euros. Yonks ago. A few pints. Of course. It was the early kickoffs. So Ireland games were on at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So coming close to the free view, 10pm. Cormac and the Cub were loaded. Brought in the home phone. <laughs> rang Television X. <laughs> to get chatting to the dolls. <laughs> Called themselves Coco and the Beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> Coco and the Beefcake. Are on. There was Cormac recorded, and <laughs> it's gone. We can't find it. Oh, but the amount of times the, and the two boys are. I we? mean, you've never heard. If, it's hard enough to hear our accents, and me and me and Connor are trying our best not to say it. Right. So the two boys are drunk. Oh fuck! And chatting to the. All right, there, darling. Where are you from? Woman, here to watch the Republic. Bit the fucker here. Take out your boats. Steamboats. Two boys trying to fight over one receiver. No hands free then, boy. Oh, no hands free there. Coco and beefcake. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, well, Coco and beefcake. Do you ever sort of take a wee thought in this day and age and think, thank fuck mm-hmm. nobody had a video camera? Oh, man. Back when I was. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'd be looking at them now going, you poor bastards. You can't do, you can't fucking fart with somebody. I know. And like. And I'm so glad that there's no videos of the like the amount of the to. amount of crap I receive, and you go, can you imagine if that was from the? T- I I receive videos. All this happened yesterday. Where was it? The Philippines. You're like, <laughs> how did it get to me in a day from the Philippines? Fel- anyway, you're yeah yeah. I remember falling on the bridge outside some Pat's man, icy morning. Oh, and I turned around three dolls behind me. We're all supermodel job like. No, all going no. some buddies and me this and Patsy and I prop I'm six foot I've been six foot three since I was like fourteen. So when I fall, <laughs> it's big Ben like yeah. Oh Jesus Christ <laughs> Boom. So they were all behind me and I was like oh. Your feet at one end so that's the, the, only, I, the only thing I was thinking about them was can you imagine if there was a smartphone? Oh absolutely viral. No way. It's like a poor bastard that fell that time in the RT video clip on oh, the ice. But it's the best it's fall ever. Such I think mine would have been I landed me back though. Nah, he went fuck fucking broke the hip. <laughs> it's so bad. 
I don't know how we get onto that. <coughs> easily. Very easily. Anyway, um, uh, so yeah, English, other media, other representatives media. and stuff, but that's where Partridge is. And I, I'm going to be a wee bit controversial here now and say I think Partridge works really well because of the laughter. It, on the can, on the show? Like the show, I don't know. I, we, we, you were talking I, about that, or what are you... That, I don't know, because there are certain points of it where obviously it has to be, it's not canned laughter, because canned laughter is a laughter track put in, so... yeah. There's such nuanced things on this that you can hear laughter reacting to them mm-hmm. that it has to be live as in they watching it. So I imagine, are they in a sound studio somewhere watching this and they're recording the audience? Because, I mean, th- these are outdoor shoots in some locations, mm-hmm. so there's no way it's live. No. Um, but there are parts of the hotel where I think, especially with Sally Phillips' part, I always think that feels like that, uh, <laughs> that can, audience I is live listening. From, like, so... I don't know, but I I I know that uh, if you look at, um, well, if you look at Only Fools and Horses in the first two seasons where there's no laughter, till you get to the third season and they've they've got laughter in the in the background, it changes the whole, uh, changes the whole show. I didn't even know there wasn't any laughter in the first two seasons. No laughter in the first season. You don't not see. the biggest Only Fools and Horses fan. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I don't mean that in a same as that. I'm not I'm not diehard. I've I mean, never. I, I, I know all the classic bits. Yes, I've seen that. them all, yeah. and I think they're funny. They really yeah. are funny. But I've never sat and watched a season. No, no. And but I, I'm not were, doing that out of. I'm doing that because it wasn't like when I was getting into seasons. It was yeah. stuff where I was just bang, 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 and, and, and never went back. They're a wee bit all over the place too because there's seasons and there's specials and then there's three part. You know, so there's never actually. You know, you're ever watching. See, then my problem then with that, what you're thinking about, there is an audience. Is that the the architecture of the the studio setup of the uh, only fools and horses etc friends yeah. even or yeah. whatever is you can clearly see there's a line where you don't pass yeah but in partridge in that's, that reception area you can they walk into that. the yeah. hallway yeah. they walk the, there's an elevator it's a proper hotel and so I, it doesn't so look like although it does look like a set but a, yeah but you see every but angle you see of it, yeah. every corner so that's hard to so you're seeing the four walls which is mm-hmm. uh, Again, just makes me. But I know where you come from because it does sound like they're peeking off live, live a person, especially even physical. like uh, yeah, Sally Phillips is we sort of laughs to herself. They're mm-hmm. laughing at that, you know. So there's, it's it's more than a canned laughter that you would hear now. Yeah. For instance, in, in uh, Big Bang Theory, even even though it's recorded live, you're still hearing a canned laughter fired up with that because it's yeah, because it really needs it. Uh, but this one, I, oh, I, so he's a nerd, right? All right, Brent. <laughs> Every episode, all right, Brent. <laughs> yeah. How, how fucking hilarious is that? Every episode. That uh, could have been two seasons and it would have been actually good. Yeah. But if they, wrote, I, well, if they actually wrote it well and had actors that were funny. Well, this brings us to the point we talked about. Um, and we've talked this before with uh, Faulty Towers. And Only Virgin Horses is, a, good, is a, good, a really good example of should you pull the pin early. Mm. You know, Virgin Horses should have stopped, in my opinion, at them winning the money. Yeah. And no more. But again, yeah. money comes into play. People want to do more shows and like a family about that, but I think you take the likes of Partridge, you take the likes of The Office, you take the likes of Faulty Towers, where they pick two series, six episodes each. That's it, cut dead. Mm-hmm. So then it is pure quality. Yeah, there's no dip. Then sometimes there is a dip in a, in a longer TV series, and you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think this definitely is a is a very concise, and there's no fat. Yeah. Well, there's always the argument for um, killing it when it's good, get rid of it when it's going good. Don't don't expect yeah. it to be to get any better. That's it. Yeah. But then serialized TV shows are based on advertisements, and you know, 
you know, the license fee. So mm-hmm. they want more, more, yeah. more, 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 more. Uh, when we talk about standout moments of parties, because you, again, there are so many clips you could play to highlight how much of an idiot he is. Um, yeah. How little social graces or awareness, even of himself, that he has. Um, so we'll, we'll play a couple of clips from the uh, the two RTE producers who have come over from Ireland to to speak to Mr. Partridge. This is after the BBC have turned him down. Yeah, the BBC so have turned taken, him down, so he's taking anything. Best. He's taking meetings from anywhere, and uh, this <clears throat> this day is his way of highlighting his uh, strength. And the one way of doing that is by getting him to come along to his an afternoon with Alan Partridge mm-hmm. and special guest Sue Cook. Yep. Who pulls out. Yep. <laughs> and he's not fucking happy. Uh, but this is him speaking. Uh, they're having uh, literally two mouthfuls into a, a fry and uh, a breakfast. And uh, Partridge just starts his own conversation style. Yep. So uh, how many people were uh, killed in the Irish famine? Um, two, two million and another two million had to leave the country. Right. I mean, if it was just the potatoes that were affected, at the end of the day, you will pay the price if you're a fussy eater. <laughs> <laughs> if they could afford to emigrate, then they could afford to eat in a modest restaurant. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did we just play that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should point out the two RTE producers are, of course... Yeah. Graham Lennon and Arthur Matthews. Yeah, uh, co-creators of Father Ted. Uh, so definitely we we nod to each other there. Um, but they were also writers on Day to Day. Yeah, uh, they, they, they've, they've done loads of stuff. They've wrote a lot, I mean lots. They've been involved in quite a bit. And Coogan is a, a plastic paddy. Yeah, he is. Coogan has uh, full Irish parents. Yeah, mum's from Cork and dad's full Pat as well. Full Pat. I will explain uh, his ability to do such a great Irish accent as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had mentioned that before, maybe about Peter Kay. Yeah. Uh, but the way he can do his mum's Northern Ireland accent with, I mean, I don't know how a person can shift from one accent to the other that so fluidly. Well, yeah. He can do it within the same sentence. Yeah. That oh, you're going, it sounds like yeah. two people having one conversation, but the, the Coogan's the exact same. I I've, I witnessed that <clears throat> in London. Oh, you seen him? No, no, not witnessed that. That happening with accents. Oh, uh, a new family of uh, a mother and father from Glasgow who had moved down uh, years and years and years ago, and all their children who are now like in their early twenties mm. uh, were proper South London Cockneys. Like, oh, and but if if you heard. Talking the boys to talking to mum and dad. Okay. It's a pure Glasgow accent. And then they go back. Oh, I might. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I don't know. <laughs> it's a brain burner for me. I really <laughs> like, can't. Really mental. Like, and, and especially if they were in their house, if you went to their house. And the, these boys are proper fucking, at this stage, they were the Burberry, you know, Burberry Chiles, yeah, yeah. like 2000, 2001. Wide boys. All wide boys. Like, and then they put out this real Glasgow fucking accent <laughs> when they're talking to their mum and dad. It's fucking brilliant. <coughs> because, uh, unbelievably, and it's real hard for a person like, or people like us to understand, but when that's all you heard growing up, yeah. even if you've never mimicked it, mm-hmm. you could just repeat it, motor memory, without ever yeah. realizing you know how to do it. Absolutely. Uh, this is another quote from the uh, the same dinner meeting. 
of um, between of, the, of the Irish, the Irish producer users. And again, just I mean, it's probably up there one of the most famous quotes out of it, but it, it just highlights how much of a fucking absolute fool that he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I must say I'm very grateful you've come over. Um, big fans of all the Irish stuff. Um, <laughs> yep, I love your pop music, Enya, and uh, <laughs> the other one ripped up the Pope, bald chap. <laughs> and I think that's it. Well, it's you, you too, of course. Yeah, you you, well, yeah, oh, fantastic. Sunday, bloody Sunday. What a great. It really encapsulates the frustration of a Sunday, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you wake up in the morning, you, you, you've got to read all the Sunday papers, the kids are running around, you've got to mow the lawn, wash the car, and you think, Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I really hate to do this to you, Alan, but it's, it's actually a song about. Yeah, Bloody Sunday is actually about a massacre in Derry in 1972. Massacre. Ugh, not playing that again. <laughs> not, playing that. not even, not even apologising for I, that. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. No. <laughs> but again, I hate to say it, but you can see some English people going, "What? Yeah, <laughs> didn't know. It, what? Yeah. You're, not only that, it was a fucking massacre before that too. But not, anyway, not a clue, mate. No, not a fucking clue. Uh, and but again, I mean, the, the joy of that whole entire episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of the standout episodes uh, in total because it also features his stalker. Yes. Um, which which is, I forget because every time I start watching it, once I get to Lenihan Matthews, I'm, or I'm going, oh, oh yeah. God, this shit show's about to happen. Jed Maxwell appears. And then Jed turns <laughs> up. Uh, Who cri- seems pretty innocent at the start. At the start, seems all right, and then turns into be, uh, in the words of... Mr. Parties, a mentalist. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I actually looked. Um, it turned out that uh, according to comedians, uh, comedians voted on um, the best ever, uh, the best scenes in a British uh, or Irish TV show. Okay. And it came number one. That scene that of scene. him leaving the house? Partridge meeting a super fan who has a room dedicated to Alan Partridge. Game number one. It was the most favourite scene by comedians. Next one. It is, it is very good. But well, what do you hear? This is where we might, uh, there might be a few debates in this one, but this is their list. So, okay. number one was Partridge. Number two was Tim and Don finally get together in the office. I don't even know what the fuck You didn't that watch is. that, so that's right. Next one, what's... Makes me shudder to think it's down that far. Basil Falty argues with the Germans. Stretch, don't mention the war. That's third. Okay. Uh, don't tell him, Pike. Um, from Dad's Army was four. Del Boy falling through the bar was fifth. Uh, Father Ted and the terrified priests in the laundry department. Okay. Uh, and then Mrs. another Basil Falty one. Mrs. Richards complained about her room. And then the last one on the list: the entrance of Lord Flashheart and Black Otter too. <laughs> I, I would probably have that <laughs> in one or two, to be honest. Yeah. If you're going for pure British comedy, that would be... Yeah. I well, so I think we've done well, because the only one that's repeated twice is Faulty Hires, which is one of our best of the best. So it just shows we know roughly what we're talking about. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but no, it's... Uh, yeah. I, I know there was a thing on that TV, you know, that gold channel? Mm-hmm. They, they voted Partridge the number one right? British okay. comedy character of all time. Yeah, the character is just so... And it was only recently that happened. It wasn't during the heyday of it, you know, 
early 2000s it was recently yeah. Uh, because the thing is, whenever you think, we talked about it uh, earlier, the, the Knowing Me, Knowing You, Alan Partridge, the first season of the chat show. Again, like you said about the some, there's going to be some stupid people that didn't know anything about Sunday Bully Sunday. There were actual phone calls into the BBC uh, um, because they believed that what happened at the end of the show was real. Shut up. Mm-hmm. A lot of complaints of people coming in because it was shot in such a way. No, it was it was it was that dead, like, it was real dead serious. It like, was dead serious. It, so basically, the end of the the chat show, uh, it looked like Alan Partridge had just shot his guest, mm-hmm. and then it cut to black. It mm-hmm. cut to the dead screen, and that was it over. So oh, yeah. people genuinely, and this is again pre-internet, no Twitter to find out a crime. They rang in, like thousands rang in, complaining. And just how could they show this and blah, blah, blah. Was he all right? <laughs> that, you know? that is but the giving your ma a smartphone of aye, the late exactly. 90s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly why, why does the Facebook want me to update it? Oh, mum. <laughs> mum. Why always, always updating? Always. Who's that? What's my password? Why did they send me? Oh, that's my cousin. Did you write my password in last time you Jesus? No. Uh, that's, that happened this week. <laughs> I got a phone call from the O2 shop in Oma. Asking me what my mom's password for her Power <laughs> NA app was. How in thunder and fuck am I going to know that? O2 ringing for the Power NA app, lovely. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, some mothers. Um, <laughs> so you have that. This is this is him, as I say, in the, fir- the first season and sort of recovering from that whole escapade of the of the TV show mm-hmm. or the chat show. Um, and you had people, as I say, who believe that happened not the rest that's crazy man. it is it's really it is very very sad to say um but it also was a sign of how well it was done as well no it, it, that, you know. that's that's some, it, it, uh, in no way shape or form am i saying it's lesser than this no but i think this was a greater natural progression you know when Absolutely, you just happen yeah. to find you just they find her flow right, they really wh- did why don't them, we yeah. just try this yeah and then from minute one you're going this is way easier the same thing happened with the office i think the first episode or so People were like, oh my God, he's such a dickhead. Because they actually thought it was a documentary. Mm-hmm. They actually took it as being real. Yeah. Um, it's, it's done, I remember seeing them clips and it is done very well. So, but but uh, like, I mean, if you're talking timescales, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if Mr. Coogan and Gervais have a problem, but like Brent is basically partridge. But as I was saying to you earlier, I, I wasn't, I'm not. I'm still not big into the office. I don't. I don't watch it. I don't really get Ricky Gervais's stick at all. But um, I totally get the power it had at the time it came out. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But um, I don't. You're saying there's a lot of similarities between the two. Yeah, big characters. Time, I mean, very cringeworthy, self-obsessed, narcissistic. You know, yeah. totally unaware of anybody else's feelings, but. Trying to be cool, trying to be one of the guys. They're both exact, you know, I would say nearly carbon copy, except they're just in two different settings. Yeah, and one was filmed in 1984, and the other came out after the two thousand, early 2000s? I think it was 2000, 2001, yeah. So, so clearly Gervais knew yeah. that it existed. Part existed, yeah. And in many different guises, because the day-to-day, and he's, he, there was guest yeah. appearances, and he, he even did radio shows as... As part of his as well, part, yeah. As he did loads, you know, of, loads of things he turned up as. And, but he also, I mean, Coogan's been about, uh, by yeah, this stage. Yeah, he was doing live shows and stuff By this stage, he had long on. And I had known him before Partridge because of a random comedy tape that was bought to me. And on that was like loads of five-minute like sketches or sketches or whatever. And one of them was, on one side was Paul Calf, and the other side was Pauline Calf. That's right. 
So Coogan had two characters, Paul Calf, who was a, a, a Larry Lout who drank mm-hmm. a lot. Made a mullet, didn't he? A mullet. Sort of mullet. Moustache, yeah. Aye. And then uh, Pauline Calf was his sister, mm-hmm. who, again, was very trashy. and, and uh, But they were hilarious. Like. They were unbelievable. Aye, the, really, the really good. I don't know really why well they ever... They never got any further, but they were absolutely brilliant. So that was my first, re- again, when I listened to this, you know, tape, I didn't know who Steve Coogan was, just any of these two characters. Uh, but then they went off the radar and Partridge took over mm-hmm. in that sense. I didn't see Paul or Pauline Cap. He might have turned up, you there, know, the policeman's ball or something uh, like that. There was know, a but, live uh, video tape uh, that video? was out, again, I think early 2000s, that he did a full Coogan set and then Paul and Pauline did a set right, as well. Okay. Lesser. Yeah, but uh, um, uh, he did a lot of ABBA songs and stuff. Of course, knowing me, knowing you, aha. But it was uh, no, the characters were there, but I'd never seen the characters until that. I didn't know. Yeah, well, I heard I about the tape, them. Obviously. I only had audio of them. I had never seen them. Um, but then, whenever you do, you realize then it's uh, obviously quite apparent who it is. Then, mm-hmm. um, but again, even at that stage, because Krugen was relatively new at doing that. You had Kenny Everett doing bits and pieces of. Dressing up as a woman and stuff, and um, but this is even maybe Eddie Hazard might have been the only one maybe doing any sort of transvestite stuff. So the only other drag queen was Lily Savage, which yes. was um, what do you call him, Paul O'Grady's. Mm-hmm. So Coogan was one of the only ones really doing that as well, and uh, yeah. But the fact that he the the, the, the second you how creative he is, we can just drop two amazing characters to get and yeah. move on to. Uh, yeah, and a career out of it too then, because Partridge then we have Knowing Me, Knowing You, but then you have two the, the two series we talked about today, I'm Alan Partridge, mm-hmm. and then you've got the more recent sort of follow-ons then. And a film. And a film, which is... And f- books, lots of books. The written. film is amazing. Is it? I've is, never seen it. film is class. I've never I was it. so dreading it, I thought this is going to be, and it's not, it works really, really well actually, yeah. Okay. Uh, again, I sort of, I miss the laugh track, I miss mm-hmm. that, just that feeling of a sitcom type thing. But no, the, the film's the film's quite. You just good. love laughter. Connor. I love the laughter, boy. It makes me feel all I love laughter, happy and all. Uh, we want to sort of show that there's only really been one time where you get to see Alan frustrated. Mm-hmm. So Partridge only really ever gets to blow his top at the end, um, and it's kind of like a, a a scene of reckoning or a, a the learning curve is now complete type thing. Um, Brent had sort of the same thing at the end of the office. He had just this reveal moment where you seen him actually hurting for the first time, sort of thing. But and this is this is the end of season the, two. No, this is the end of season one. I'm going to play the, oh, sorry, the, yes. the uh, how frustrated other people got at Alan first mm-hmm. <laughs> before we get in. So this is poor Susan, who the Alan has held. We'll give the background. Alan has, has held a, a goodbye party because he's now got his contract with the BBC, um, and uh, he's saying goodbye to all the staff. He's invited them there. Himself and Lynn have put together uh, gift bags, mm-hmm. which uh, include um, toffles and the likes. The only bags they had were sanitary towel bags. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't care. That's He's, he's going to get them handed out. And uh, basically, this is the tail end where the last day, Michael has been asked to leave because the scrumpy Jack has been... Vincent devoured and yep. he started fucking ripping into Partridge yeah. so Susan's already told Michael to leave and now he's le- she's left with uh, Sophie, Ben and Partridge mm-hmm. now you two can stop giggling don't know what her problem is I'll tell you what my problem is having to listen to your crap 
you uh, want one of these? A sanitary bag? What are you trying to say? Full on slapping the side of the Yeah. So that was the sort of the, the, the closing sort of uh, formality to the relationship with the hotel where they finally got to vent their full fucking anger at him. Uh, and that slap, actually, that, that there's no sound effects put in there. Like no, that's a full-on slap. A real fuller. <laughs> uh, the red cheek after that. Uh, so the funny stuff, um, the second season, because he's had a breakdown between season one and season it two. It doesn't show it, but he's had a breakdown in the five years. And yep. they, they show a couple of flashbacks to it. Yeah. Basically what happened was he's, he's put on a lot of weight. Uh, he he drove barefoot to Dundee, uh, <laughs> yeah. eating, eating a lot of Toblerone. <laughs> So, uh, as much as there's laughter in that, there is a sad reality to that. There is, there is. There's probably been a lot of <coughs> mental breakdowns within, you know, the performers and, and yeah, presenters and stuff, of course. Um, but the, the, the <laughs> driving the Dundee barefoot and eating Toblerone, I mean, so random, but again, so well done. Yeah. Um, the prosthetics, we should point that out, as I think you say, Coogan is not that old. No. Coogan now... Is that all? Looks the age of Patrick's Yes. But by then, the, the makeup and the and the, the prosthetics that had to go on were were, were really advanced. Like, and really, oh, really, looked, old. really, really, totally looked, like. really, really looked old. Um, and then even the, the, the fat suit that I had to put on in the flashbacks where he's older as well. Again, the, the, the makeup's first class. Uh, so he's had the breakdown. He's got past all that. He's, we've had a few, uh, when he does the Dante Fireplaces um, corporate event, yeah, go and see that if you get a chance. Yeah. <laughs> he has accidentally stood in a spike and lost a lot of blood, but yeah. still has to carry on being the consummate showman that he is. And he just, He's lost a pint of blood. He just keeps vomiting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, the other one then, Steve Mangan um, plays a part in it as well, plays Dan. Mm-hmm. And Dan and his wife are uh, into the odd... Uh, Schwing, schwing. Mm-hmm. They show him a video of them having sex. Yeah, and they'd like to uh, invite Alan to join in because Alan does his hot bath. Mm-hmm. Alan's hot bath at night time where he, <laughs> he talks real smooth <laughs> lather. <laughs> uh, so these, yeah. But again, he's so desperate for friends. He meets Dan in the petrol station where he's standing because again, desperate for friends. He's standing yeah. to Michael. And Dan comes in, and they they are almost a, a mirror image of each other. Mm-hmm. They both drive Lexi. Lexi, that's brutal. Um, they both wear links. <laughs> Java, Africa. <laughs> uh, but I mean, one of the the, the scenes is when they, he sees Dan across the uh, the car park, and he's just such desperate fucker he's so in need of wanting to be accepted to be a friend that he tries to get dan's attention by shouting dan and he shouts dan over and over and over and i didn't know yeah how many times yeah of course i actually yeah i counted it and then had to go and check was i right and it's yeah 15 times (laughs) (laughs) so he shouts dan 15 i'm not gonna play the clip of him shouting dan 15 times but watch it if you get a chance to see it if you haven't seen it before uh, the sheer desperation yeah, and the like, roaring you know, of them. You know, like a child, <laughs> Mommy, Mommy, Ma, it's like that over and over, and you're like, okay, I'll get it from the three year old, but I don't get it from the f- nearly 50 year old man. 
so his book that he had out called Bouncing Back, mm-hmm. where he didn't bounce back. He didn't bounce back at all. <laughs> and the book is going to be pulped. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sort of finished off the season where Lynn's going to be baptised. And uh, Partridge's book. She's got a new man. She's a new man. Who's next police officer? And uh, he stands up for her when Alan's, yeah, when Alan's fucking wagging. Him. Um, we haven't really mentioned Sonia. No, he's he's actually living in a caravan. With second his house season, is being yeah, built with his uh, foreign girlfriend Sonia, who is who's also played brilliantly. Is hilarious in this as mm-hmm. well, first class, and he's so embarrassed by her because of her um, language barrier slash humor mm-hmm. that. The sad reality is she should be embarrassed by him. Yeah, <laughs> but he's really, the one. Really yeah. should, like. uh, and Sonia um, has suffered quite a lot through this as well. Mm-hmm. Some of the statements on it um, that only Partridge could say uh, that was classic intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> or when she says, "I love you," and he goes, "Thanks a lot." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no fucking emotion there at all. Or when he sits everybody down to reenact. James his favourite James Bond film <laughs> and he can't he can't find the tape and then they realise the, f- the only tape that wasn't destroyed was what was the one? Oh uh, The Spy Who Loved Me was it? Spy Who Loved Me yeah. and uh, they can't find and they realise the tape has been taped over by a friend of Michael's who loves American TV Tex. and he tapes over it with American Gladiators or something and uh, they, he then enacts the intro to The Spy Who Loved Me <laughs> I wonder it's very good. I don't see. Uh, it's such a. I think it's really long. Stop talking about American things and let's watch the best film ever made. Welcome to America's Strongest Man. America's Strongest Man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been taped over and he is not happy. Uh, so he's going to actually. Does he do the rendition then? Um, Nobody does it better. Nobody does it better, yeah. Okay, so. Let me see. The volcano, and it splits up in him. Right, so. It's the one where the laser beam goes up his jaw. Joe Finger! Yeah, they're getting, they're getting intros all wrong. wrong with, again. The, the, with the volcano, and it splits up, and a big rocket comes out, and there's all chinkies jumping jump down. <laughs> no, 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 stop getting Bond wrong! <laughs> I'll tell you about the spy of love. Me, all do that with your fingers around your eye. I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> Blood dribbles down. We're on a submarine. So Two sailors sit down and have a game of chess. All of it. All of it. And the cups start wobbling. And then a man who used to be in the Eden line comes in and goes, Why are the cups wobbling? What's going on? And then he... Yeah, you can stop doing that now. And then <laughs> he pulls out the periscope <laughs> thing, looks through it and goes, Oh, my God, the submarine's being eaten by a giant tanker. And then we cut to Moscow. And there's a man there, and he's Russian. He's got eyebrows, you know. And he's on the phone going, What, a whole submarine? You're joking! I'm gonna have to tell some other Russians. See ya! And then, and then it cuts to James, Roger Moore, and uh, yes, he's with a lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's necking with her. Right, and he goes, I've got to go, love. Something's come up. Uh, he, uh, yeah. he means his cock. <laughs> anyway, then he, he, he puts on his underpants and his ski suit, and he gets on his skis, and he starts skiing. And he's being chased by these Russian shits in black jumpsuits with lemon piping. <laughs> And, uh, and he's just skiing along like that, and, and they start shooting at him. And he goes, right, I've had enough of that, just stop it! And he, and he turns around with this gun, and then he does a backward somersault off this ramp, and he lands on his feet. Uh, I'm not sure why, but he's not showing off. And, and then he, and he goes over a cliff, and he's falling, and you think, oh, 
God, James Bond's going to die! He's going to die! But then, at the last minute... He pulls a ripcord, right? And a, a parachute comes out, and it's got a Union Jack Michael! on it. Michael! <laughs> oh, <my God! laughs> That's how it ends! That's not the end of the beginning. The end of the beginning goes like this. Glang! Glang a lang a lang a lang a lang a lang. Glang a lang, lang a lang a lang. Nobody does it better. And I'm a naked woman in silhouette with a gun, spinning round. Makes me feel sad for the rest. Nobody does it. Oh, bit of nipple. Right as good as you. Baby, you're the best. And now, really big bounce right over, and I land on my feet. I wasn't looking. Oh, you found me. Uh, oh, bit of bush. Uh, I tried to hide from you. There's no better and a woman description. Of a, a giant luger. Ooh, <laughs> of a James Bond. Uh, the first five minutes of a James Bond. A naked woman walking along the top of a gun. Completely Billy Bollocks. That's why you love me. It's keeping all my secrets safe tonight. And then one more big swing from a woman. Legs go right apart. Oh, what was that? Too late. <laughs> Nobody does it half as good as you. Baby, you're the best. Yes, brilliant. So, yeah, that's basically. Do you want to hear some more? <laughs> Welcome to America's. It's basically all out of the anxiety of he was meant to have a James Bond marathon. <laughs> he wanted and all, the, all his tapes got ruined. And the schedule they had all set up with Sonia to go and see them. Listen, folks, if we haven't sold it to you by now, we're never going to. Uh, we'll not make you go to anything before or after. We'll just say to you, I'm Alan Pardreed, season one, season two. Yeah. Start with those, and then you can work your way back if you want to, but start at the peak um, where it really had its strength. Uh, Coogan, Iannucci, and Bainham, the writing is just... Uh, it's extraordinary, it really, but it's, it's non-stop. Yeah. It's like... First so minutes, many quotable just, lines, uh, as you know really, from really today. We play, we play that many. Well, you sort of... I mean you can't do the voices? <laughs> so no, no. It's really, really important to hear these. Anybody that's listened to us before will know impersonations is definitely not my strong point. It's not. It's not on my. Ronan's not too bad. You're all right. I'm, I'm good at the ones where you have to shout a lot, <laughs> which just doesn't come across no. too well on a podcast. So that's not. Uh, yeah. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will be back again next week. But if you haven't, um, please go and take a look at I'm Alan Partridge. Available on Netflix at the moment, I do believe. Um, it, I get some BBC Airplay as well and an Airplay so go and take a look um, and let us know um, in the comments section of our podcast Instagram Twitter Facebook all those things and we're on Google Pod, Podflaps now I heard that we're on Google too boy. we're not calling it podcast anymore it's called Podflaps Podflaps because uh, Blind Boys figured out that if you say podcast uh, your marketing potential goes down till you pay ah. for it so Podflap oh Google Podflap and, um, well, we should just flap on out of here then. Flap it. Flap it the fuck. Uh, that's been all from me. That's been all from him. Up Slayer. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs>